Thank you, Brother Gideon, Brother Adrian. Appreciate that. Appreciate the variety of styles we can have in this church here. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. Turn to Romans chapter 1 with me. We're going to have a look at a few verses here and thank uh, Caleb for reading the first 16 verses of Romans 1. Um, appreciate the opportunity to open the Word of God tonight and I thank you, church, and thank Pastor Lloyd for this opportunity, and I just pray that it can be a blessing and be a help. Um, that's my prayer for us this evening, and uh, I might start with a word of prayer, and then we'll have a look at some things here. So if you'll bow your heads with me, we'll just say a word of prayer tonight. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you once again for the opportunity to meet together as a church. We thank you, Lord, that you have placed each one of us here. Uh, Lord, for the work that you're doing in our lives. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for this day. We've already heard your word and, and uh, some very important things we've heard, Lord. I pray we would not soon forget those things. Uh, help us, Lord God, to remember each of the times that you speak to us. And I do pray now that you would turn our attention to your word. I pray, Father, that you would uh, empower me. Just give me uh, your Holy Spirit's power to say the things that are necessary now, Lord. I pray that uh, our church would be edified. I pray that you would be pleased with what takes place here tonight, Lord. And we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that we can learn from it, learn from you, and learn from each other, Lord God. And we do ask you would bless this time together. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, you may be aware that my last name is Barnes. And um, if that's, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, if that's news to you, well, that's great. It's, it's Barnes. But uh, in the Barnes family, and I don't mean my, my family, Nicole and the girls, I mean uh, my siblings. Uh, there's six of us in the Barnes family. We like to play board games. And we have, you know, since we've been growing up, that was just one of the things we always loved to do. And so when we get together, even now, like at Christmas time, everyone kind of comes to Brisbane uh, every, every time Christmas is up. And we get together and we play board games. And if you didn't know, uh, Jen Hollowaddy is my sister. So yes, she's a Hollowaddy, but she's really deep down inside. She's a Barnes, because and and there's proof. The proof of that is that she's competitive, like all the other Barneses with board games. So if you ever played a board game with Jen Hollowaddy, then you'd know that she definitely came from the Barnes household. Um, but we get together at Christmas times and we play we play board games, and it can cause a lot of. Uh, tension, uh, a lot of arguments. Uh, I guess there's a lot of headstrong and stubborn people in our family, not me, just everyone else. Um, but it, it does happen that way. And if you ask my wife, she's, she's sitting there going, yes, I, I don't want to be there when Christmas time is around. Um, and I say this to say is that sometimes I, I'm, a, I'm a part of this and I, you know, if someone will say, hey, let's play a board game, and immediately I'm thinking, I want to disassociate myself from this for a moment. I, want, I don't want to be known as a Barnes right now because Barnes and board game equals <laughs> fights and you know not good times and not, not a good result. And so I, I find myself wanting to be a part of it but also at the same time wanting to disassociate uh, f from what everyone thinks about that. And you know, I'll try and convince myself that you know, I really am not a Barnes, I was adopted, I you know, came from another family or something. But that's, that's how I, f I find myself uh, reacting to that kind of thing. And I, I don't know if you've ever done that. Maybe there's something in your life that you want to disassociate from your family 
uh, some reason that you feel that way sometimes. Uh, I can see a lot of people thinking about this. Um, but that's not my message. It's not about disassociating yourself from, the, from your family. Uh, but sometimes you might find yourself disassociating yourself from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not wanting to associate yourself with it because of some reason. And uh, what I'm saying to you tonight is not that you would want to disassociate yourself from the gospel of Christ because of Christians who give it a bad name, but more so because of what other people view Christianity as. And what I mean by that is people, people nowadays, and we all know it because we all work in workplaces and have unsaved family, where Christianity is looked down upon. Uh, Christianity is seen as even a weakness. I know when I was in school, uh, if you said you're a Christian, it was like, oh, you're weak. Like, you need Jesus Christ. Like, you're not strong by yourself. It was like that. Now, I don't think it's so much that it's seen as weakness, but uh, seen as a prejudice, um, maybe irrelevant. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a whole lot of things that people think about Christianity, and we can find ourselves trying to disassociate from that because we don't want that projected onto us. And that can be a problem. Uh, that can... That can be a spiral into, into to some other faulty ways of thinking and, and acting as a Christian. Uh, so that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Um, it's increasingly becoming unpopular and offensive to be a Christian in our, in our society right now. I think we're all aware of that, and it's hard not to feel the effects of that. So just like Peter denied Christ, he, he was trying to disassociate himself from what was happening right there when, when Jesus was being taken away and, and dealt with, uh, people were trying to associate him with Jesus and he was trying to do the exact, exact opposite. He was denying and disassociating. And I, I use this word, uh, being ashamed of Jesus Christ, being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ or being ashamed of the things of God. Uh, not ashamed in, oh, that's a bad job, but uh, I don't want to be associated with that. And that's, that's where Peter found himself when he denied Christ three times, and you know, we're not here to pick on Peter, because we, we, we can all do it, we probably all have done it, um, but being ashamed is, is what I'm talking about tonight, or trying to be unashamed, really, is a solution. So, we're in Romans 1 here, and the Apostle Paul, who wrote Romans, uh, very much desired to be associated with Jesus Christ, he wrote this, uh, and he declares, if you have a look in verse 16, which Caleb read, he says this, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And he goes on to say in verse 17 that, uh, that God's righteousness is revealed through the gospel of Christ. So he's saying this is a good thing. There's good things that come out of this and I'm not ashamed of that. Then verse 18, he, he goes in a different direction. He says that the wrath of God is revealed upon those that choose to disassociate from the gospel of Christ, that choose to, I guess... Uh, act in a way that causes them to be ashamed and doesn't, doesn't want to associate with the gospel of Christ. And the wrath of God is upon them. And it is those that, in verse 20, if you just have a look uh, at the end of verse 20, it says that they're without excuse. Uh, because they know about God. They know who God is, but they choose not to associate with him. Now, these verses here, after verse 16, talking about the wrath of God and these people that disassociate with, with Christ... It's essentially talking about unsaved people, um, but I think we can find here that there's, there's bits that Christians may touch on when they get to that point of, of not wanting to be associated with Christianity. 
there's some, there's some uh, signs of being ashamed that we can touch on that we'll see in these following verses. And I just want to show us a few of those things that I believe the Lord kind of pulled that out and, uh, and illuminated them to me. Uh, because I know that uh, it's easy to fall into these things and we might not fall wholly into it. We might not go as far as these verses uh, delve into, but as Christians we might just touch on them and maybe in multiple areas as well. It's just a bit of a danger. So I just want to point these things out and then just have a look at a solution, how we can, how we can be uh, bold in associating ourselves and, and not be ashamed by the gospel of Christ. So the first thing I want you to notice is in verse 21, 23, it says this, that because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, verse 23, and this is what they did, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image, made like to, to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So one of the things in uh, disassociating yourself from the gospel of Christ is that you end up changing God's glory. So his he has, he has a reserved space that he, he has a right to, that he is, he is a king of kings and lord of lords, uh, that we should worship him as he is and, and give him the glory that he deserves. But when we start uh, thinking more about, hey, how does this Christianity thing make me look, we kind of push, it, push him aside a little bit and change his glory from the uncorruptible God into something that is corruptible. And you can see the little... You can see the decline that happens here. Uh, just have a look in that verse number 23. It says, from God, he goes down to his glory comes by corruptible man. And we think, oh, well, man's not too bad, but then to birds and four-footed beasts, and finally ends up at creeping things. Now, really, like how much importance do you place on a little creeping thing? If you see a little creeping thing in your household, then you're probably going <laughs> to... I don't know, I would. Uh, we had we had someone at our house a couple of years ago at Christmas time, uh, and there was a huntsman walking down our walking <laughs> crawling. There was a huntsman crawling down our hallway, about to go into our bedroom, and this person who was related to us, uh, not Jen Holloway, <laughs> this person who was related to us was uh, a vegetarian, you know, vegan, you know, loved you know dolphins and animals and trees and all that kind of stuff, and they. I went to go get this huntsman with a broom and, you know, spray, and I'm like, ha-ha, I'll be back maybe if I survive, because this was a big huntsman. And, and so I go off to go and kill this huntsman, and this person comes behind me running and goes, no, 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 don't kill it. And then I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is heading to my bedroom. And it starts running away, and she's like, don't kill it, don't kill it, I'll get it, I'll keep it, I'll, I'll keep it safe. So she goes to get it, and it starts crawling away. I'm like, ah, excuse me. I don't want my wife screaming in the middle of the night because there's a huntsman on her face. So I kind of like gently said, oh, it's all right, I've got it. She went back to the, the table where everyone was and was crying. And her boyfriend was consoling her because I was going to go kill this poor little creeping thing. I didn't even mean to say that story, but it just came out. But some people do place importance on creeping things, but it's, it's totally flipped around, isn't it? It's, it's the wrong way. Um, so, so this here is saying that we can change how we, how we view God or talk about God, think about God, and we bring him down to something that really, yes, he did create the, the huntsman, but we don't have to try and save it. Um, so we, 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 we do things in a certain way that uh, declines his, his glory. Uh, it might be that, you know, in the workplace or you go out with family who are unsaved, maybe you would have said grace 
but because you don't want to be ashamed, you're ashamed of the gospel of Christ, you'd be like, ah, I just won't say grace this time. I don't want to draw attention to that. Uh, maybe you, you would have said previously, hey, I'm praying for you about that thing to, a, to an unsaved person, but now you think, uh, I won't bother because I don't want to start an argument about Christianity. So it's like, how does that, what's that got to do with God's glory? Well, it's, it's, it's your view of him. Uh, and it's reflected in, in even how you react and act as a Christian. So we can get into that, uh, that trap of changing his glory. That's number one. Uh, have a look at another one. Just look down in verse number 25. It says this, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator. So not only do we have opportunity sometimes to change God's glory, we, we change his truth, change the truth of God. That's a big thing because God is truth. There is no other truth. Everything else outside of God is, is untruth. But we can change the truth of God. When we listen to the arguments of, uh, say, popular opinion, and you're the only one that disagrees, it's tempting to, to twist God's truth to fit. Uh, it's, not, it's not comfortable to be the, the, the odd one out when, when it comes to the things of Christianity. Um, I know when I was working at the airport, any time that something about Christianity would come up, I would feel very uncomfortable. I wanted to witness to these people, but when I was the only one who had this, this opinion of the world from God's standpoint, you, you could really feel that. And it was really tempting to go, oh, yeah, but God doesn't really mean that, you know, and try and, like, justify it in your mind because of everyone that's looking at you and thinking things about you. And it's easy to just kind of push that aside a little bit. Or let's not have that conversation and change some things about what God says. Um, you know, currently, the whole same-sex thing and, uh, you know, gen- transgender and all that kind of stuff, it's easy for us to... Now, you might sit here and think, oh, I'd never, like, turn my back on what God says about those things. But when you're put under a lot of pressure, just like Samson put under a lot of pressure, you can break. Uh, you, you can say some things and you can go down a path that you never intended to. And uh, we, can, we can get a bit like that. So you can, you can use the excuse that the world uses, oh, well, isn't God love? Like, doesn't he just not care about who you love? It's just, it's just all about love. Or you can start believing that and you can start going down that path and you, you're, you're being ashamed of the gospel of Christ when you do that. And this isn't me picking on you if you find yourself doing that because I think we all do to some degree. Um, just showing some warning signs that, that might come up. So the next one. Uh, So changing God's glory, changing God's truth. The next one down in verse 28. uh, Look at this, it says, and and just notice that these verses, they're all talking about the same people. So they're all uh, different uh, signs that come out, um, different bad things that come out, but it's also a decline into how bad this kind of gets. So verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a reprobate mind and so on and so forth. Now, this is really talking about dismissing the knowledge, excuse me, dismissing the knowledge or the conviction of God. Don't even want to have it come into my mind. I don't want to think about it. Um, when I was in grade 12 and we had our, our end of year formal, it was like, you know, a big hoo-ha. Um, we got to go to a really nice place in the city um, got to wear a suit for the first time in my life. Like, that was, like, amazing, the best thing ever. Um, got all dressed up, you know, 
hired a, a Mustang to go into the, to the city with, with uh, the person that I was going with. And we all had photos done at, at the school there. Um, this is at Mueller College. And had, had a professional photos done and you could pay and you could get them and all that kind of stuff. So we did that, you know, had the little corsage thing and it was just, you know, it was fancy. To me, it was like the best thing ever. Now, when I was in grade 12, even before that, I was very, 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 very skinny. I mean, I know you think I'm skinny now, but I was like, I was like a stick, like seriously. See, Jen Holloway's going, yes. My nickname was Mantis, like a praying mantis. Like, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I, just, I just dug myself into a hole. Um, shut up. Um, no, seriously, I was, I was really skinny. It was, I hated it. Like, I would give anything to just put on weight. Like, it didn't matter what I ate, I, I never put on weight. Like, females were just like, what is with that guy? We want his metabolism. But seriously, I was so skinny. I, my cousin called me a bag of bones. I don't know if you remember that, Jen. Um, bag of bones, mantis. Like, that's, that's who I was. I was just so skinny. So I hated wearing shorts where you could see my knees and legs and all that kind of stuff. Um, but on top of that, I look back now, and I actually had a really bad haircut too. I had, I had, I don't know if they still call it, but I had a bum part, so it was parted in the middle, and it was like greasy, blondy, browny, and, you know, it kind of came down to here, and you team that with skinny and, you know, pimples and all this kind of, I'm painting a really good picture, aren't I? <laughs> so, so this was, you know, end of year, grade 12 formal, and I'm thinking, you know, this is excellent, but at the same time, I got these photos, and now when I look back at those photos, it makes me cringe. I'm just like, I don't want to have anything to do with those photos. Can we just flip over to the next page of the, of the photo album? Like, I, want to, I don't want to retain that knowledge in my mind. I don't want people to remember that that was me. I don't want people to think that that is me. Uh, I'm a different person. I want to disassociate myself from it. I'm, I'm ashamed of it. It's like, don't want to know about that. Don't want to know about that stage of my life. Um, I've just shared it all with you, so you all know it now. But, but that's, that's, that's what they're talking about here. Don't even want to retain the knowledge of God. Just get to that point where it's like, nah, anything that I kind of see that reminds me of that, just don't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, and that's where these people got. They were, they were ashamed of the gospel of Christ. They, these people that they're talking about here never actually accepted it. But I'm talking to us as Christians. We've accepted it, and we can still have this kind of uh, attitude. We can be like in a place where it's uncomfortable, people talking about Christianity in a bad way, and I don't, I don't want to have any conviction. I don't, I don't want the Holy Spirit talking to me about the fact that I'm supposed to speak up at a time like this. And, you know, I don't want that, that Christian brother or Christian sister um, getting in my ear about how spiritual I should be. I just don't want to associate with that. That's, that's a danger that we can fall into. We can, we can dismiss the knowledge or even the, the conviction of God. Um, so this is, you can see, it, it's a slippery slope. It's, it's not a cool uh, place to be in. Uh, but the reason I'm pointing these out is because there is a solution to counteract. There is a solution to, to keep us from these things. Um, there's one more I want to look at before we, before we look at the solution. Uh, and it's down in verse 32. And uh, verse 32 says this, "...who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death..." Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, isn't it easier to 
well, we think it is, easier to sleep at night knowing that someone else is living just as ungodly as you are at that point in time? Or am I the only one who thinks that? Sometimes we, 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 we feel that we're justified because we're not the only one who's not following God like we should be. We're not the only one who's fallen into that sin. Or we're not the only one who wouldn't speak up uh, in the office or at the workplace about Christianity. Uh, we, can, we can feel that we're justified because, hey, this is, this is just how Christians, this is the world Christians are living in right now and it's, it's just where we're at. So I, I feel all right about that. Um, we might not say those actual words, but sometimes that's how we're, we're thinking and that's what our actions tell other people, that we're, we're finding someone else who's doing the same thing and justifying our actions based on that. Um, there's a verse, I think, in Proverbs, I can't remember exactly where, but it says something like, uh, though hand join in hand, they shall not go unpunished. So even if, you find, <laughs> if, even if you find someone who's doing the exact same thing as you or you agree on something, if God says it's not good, then you, go, you don't go unpunished. He's going to deal with that. Um, and we can, we can fall into this trap of thinking that, well, if other people are doing it, then I'm justified in my actions, but it's not good. It's not, it's not a good way to be. Um, and we can find comfort in that, really. Like, strangely enough, we find comfort when other people are uh, disobeying God, maybe the same way we are, or to the same level we are, or even more than we are, and then that makes us feel better. Um, but all of these things, really, we're, we're disassociating ourselves from the gospel of Christ. Um, and it can be hard in this day, I mean, you know, you live in the same world I do, uh, to stand against the pressure of the world, to stand against the pressure of unsaved family um, we have unsaved family and you know it's not easy and I'm sure pretty much everyone else here does you try and minister to them uh, but you do have that pressure and it, it's it's hard sometimes to stand above that, it's hard sometimes to, to go okay I, I need to do the right thing here and not be ashamed but you do feel that it's a very real pressure that we feel um, so it can be hard to do that but also uh, Christ also said that we shouldn't hide our light under a bushel. So we know the, the pressure we're feeling is all real, but we also know that God says, hey, you're supposed to do something about this as well. Um, and here's the thing. The gospel of Christ is not a popular message or idea today, um, but neither was it in Paul's day when he was writing this. And maybe sometimes we think, oh, yeah, they had different pressures or they... They had it a bit easier or something like that, but really, you look at Paul's life, how much pressure did he face? How much objection to Jesus Christ did he face? Um, how much, you know, was he beaten and bruised and scarred and all that kind of stuff for the sake of Jesus Christ? So we can't tell ourselves, oh, he had it all right and we have it really bad now. No, we don't. Um, so it wasn't easy in Paul's day. So what gave him... The resolve, this is what I asked myself, what gave him the resolve in verse 16? If you have a look, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, what gave him the resolve to announce these words? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Where did that come from? I mean, I don't think he just got to verse 16 and all of a sudden just had a spurt of boldness. There's, there was something else there. There's something in his life. There's some... Uh, way of approaching Christianity that helped him to have that resolve of, no, nah, I'm not ashamed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand against this pressure. Not in an arrogant way, but, it, but in a way that is 
confirming what Jesus Christ has done and who he is and, and what we're supposed to do as Christians. So he, he didn't just begin in, in verse 16. If you have a look in the first two verses, really what I want to point out tonight is just held in these first two verses. And uh, So if you have a look at Romans 1, verse 1 and 2, I'll just read them. He starts by saying this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised to fall by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Look at the first word he writes. He wrote. He wrote Paul. He didn't write Saul. He wrote Paul. Why did he write Paul? Because that's who he is. And Jesus Christ changed his life. And he's making the connection that I am Paul who Jesus Christ made a difference in my life. I'm not the guy that you think I am. I'm not the guy that I used to be. I am Paul. I'm not holding on to my past, and I don't care if you remember me as Saul. I'm not denying that I used to be, but right now, who I am, I am Paul, and I'm establishing the fact that Jesus Christ has changed my life. This is how you stand up against the pressure of the world that does not like Christianity is by confirming what Jesus Christ has done in your individual life. What Jesus Christ has done to you or for you personally. So he starts off by just saying what his name is and there's so much power in that if you, if, if you just think about that for a bit. Um, he's resting in his salvation and for us we need to be resting in the fact that we are a Christian. That we are called after his name. That we are an heir to his promise, uh, that he has done a work in my life. So you might talk like this in, in my workplace, but I know who I am in Jesus Christ. And that's not being arrogant. We don't want to be arrogant in that, but we want to be truthful. And that's where we get this resolve, where we get a bit of boldness in the face of what's happening in society today against Christianity. So who are you? Do you, do you admit that you are... If you are saved, do you admit that Jesus Christ has done a work in your life? Do you tell people about that? Because that's, that's one of the biggest ways that people are going to listen to Christianity is by a, a personal testimony of what's happened in your own life. So he starts by saying he's Paul and acknowledging what Jesus Christ has done. Next, he goes on, he says that he's a servant of Jesus Christ. And what is he saying by this? Well, I think he's talking about the fact that he's submitted to Jesus Christ's authority. See, most people, would, when we talk about servants, it's not really common now, but most people, when they think of servants, they think, ah, lowly and uh, no good, um, you know, wouldn't want to have that job or wouldn't want to be that person or anything like that. But Paul here is saying, no, I'm a servant. Like, he's owning that. He's saying this is a really good thing. A servant of Jesus Christ who... I just said, has changed my life. This is a really good thing. So he's, he's admitting that he has um, placed himself under the authority of Jesus Christ and God the Father. And when he's doing this, he's recognising that he's not number one because isn't that what everyone in the world kind of thinks right now or the world wants to push you to think that you're number one and that you're the most important? And he's saying, no, 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 no. I'm not like that. Jesus Christ is number one and I serve him and I'm happy about that. So you might, look at, you might look at Christianity, you might look at a servant and think that that's a really bad position, but you know what? A servant has 
special access that other people don't have. You think about a servant in a king's palace, they have access to the king. They have access to the kingly things. They have access that no one else on the outside has access to. So sometimes it's about looking at who you are in Christ and not necessarily trying to find the good things about it, but just acknowledging the good things about it. Because most people will go, ah, Christianity, service, uh, servant, you know, humility, that's all rubbish. But we've got, to, we've got to show the good things about that. Hang, hang on a minute, we have access to, to the, the creator of this world. That's a really good thing, and he's changed my life. So Paul, in his, in his first few words, is just establishing, you know what? I'm not ashamed because I know who I am in Jesus Christ. And so being a servant is a good thing. Uh, people used to say, you know, Christianity is a crutch. And they're saying it like, like a bad thing, like, oh, you're so weak, you need Christianity like, like a crutch. Well, you can, you can have a big problem with that, or you can say, well, actually it kind of is, because without that crutch, I couldn't do anything myself. Without Jesus Christ as a crutch to hold me up, then I'm on the floor. So there's, there's a certain way to look at uh, the statements of the world and the statements of uh, non-Christians, uh, and we have, to, we have to own it. We have to own our Christianity. We have to be thankful for it. Um, and these are just some practical ways you can do that. So he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. And then he says, called to be an apostle. Now that word called, really, it, when I looked it up, it, it means this. It means divinely selected and appointed. So think about that. That the God of this world who created everything... He is the one who picked you out. See, we, we sometimes think, oh yeah, God made this call, you know, everyone's called, uh, and it's really impersonal, because it's just like, whosoever. Like, why didn't you write my name in John 3.16? Why don't I see my name in there? It's not very personal, it's just like this, you know, this generic statement. But you've got to actually see yourself in that call. You've got to see yourself in these scriptures when it says whosoever. You've got to see your own name there and realize that actually if I was the only person, he would be calling me by name and he would have written Andrew or your name in there. Okay? So we're called, but it's not just a generic, oh yeah, just go and get whoever. It's no, he divinely selected and appointed each person. So that gives you a little bit of, hmm, doesn't it? The God of this world hand-picked me. You know, I don't know if you've ever uh, tried out for a, a football team or uh, I never did because I never played sport, but I, I tried out for acting and I got picked. I went to, you know, I went to um, QUT, Kelvin Grove, to try and get into acting and to get a call back from your first audition, that's like, yee-haw, like QUT, Kelvin Grove, that's, that's pretty big in Brisbane. Uh, in Sydney, it'd be like NIDA or something like that. So I went and auditioned at QT Kelvin Grove a couple of years after school, and I got a call back, and it was the, just the best thing ever. Because it wasn't just, oh, yeah, we just pick anyone. It's we pick the people that we think have got the talent. I don't know what happened to it, but <laughs> it was there then. But it made me feel like, oh, wow, like hand-picked, you know, like, 10 people out of like 200. I don't know how many it was. But it gives you a little bit of, you know, puffy chest out kind of thing. But like I said, not in an arrogant way in Christianity, but just 
the God of this world handpicked me. We need to walk in that. We need to we need to rest in that. We need to share that with other people. And they may not want to hear it, but that shouldn't stop us from from saying it. That shouldn't stop us from having that attitude in our workplaces and amongst unsaved family. So his name's Paul, he's a servant of Jesus Christ, he's called to be an apostle. And he says that he's separated unto the gospel of God. So not only was he called, but he separated, he set apart unto a purpose. Has a job to do. There's a reason that God handpicked him. There's a reason that God handpicked you if you're a Christian here tonight. He handpicked you and set, a, set you apart unto a purpose. There's something he has for you to do. There's someone he wants you to reach. So you're not on this earth as a Christian like wandering around, oh, what am I supposed to be doing? No, he set you apart unto the gospel of God to share in the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, there's things that he has, has called you for um, and it gives clarity and definition to your life. So these are the things that help you stand up in the face of uh, people talking down about Christianity. It's like, no, I'm, I know why I'm here. Do you know why you're here? <laughs> I know I have a purpose. God picked me for this reason. For these reasons, do you know why you're here? So it just gives you, it gives you a bit of, you know, I, I, can, I, can, I can face this now in a different way. Whereas before I was a bit, I don't want to answer that question. I, I want to, I be, I'm going to be a bit ashamed of that. Um, so we're separated unto, unto good works. We're separated to many things. And it helps us answer those questions when we're like, what am I here for? What am I responsible for? What am I supposed to do in this situation? Knowing that we're called unto him and separated unto him it gives us clarity, gives us definition, which is a really good thing. Um, and last one, in uh, verse 2, he says this, he says, which he as God had promised to fall by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now I read this verse and I'm like, what's, what's, he, what's he getting at here? Now, what I got out of it, he may not have necessarily been saying this, but what I got out of it is that he's revealing the Scriptures as the foundation for his calling and for his purpose. He's saying that the, that the prophets and the scriptures, they're confirming the fact that I'm, what I'm saying here right now, that, that is my foundation, that's my, that's my cementing. Pete, George and I have a private joke there, but cementing. I'm cemented in the Lord Jesus Christ's work. I'm cemented uh, in what he wants me to do. And it's all based on what he has already said in the scriptures. This is bigger than me, is what Paul's saying. It's bigger than me. It goes back to the prophets and all the writings and everything, and it's being fulfilled right now. And we can say the exact same thing, because Jesus Christ has called us unto him and uh, to be conformed to his image, and that's all written in here. So, so we have our authority from him that, what he's doing in our lives, he, he's, he's ordained beforehand. So that can, that can help us when we're, when we're facing this pressure from the outside world or from the unsaved. It's like, no, he, he's written about this beforehand and I'm living it now and I have a purpose in him and he has changed my life and these things are, are, are coming to fruition and the things that he's promised before, it, it's all taking place right now. So do you see how that just helps you be a bit more confident in who you are as a Christian and probably stops you from when you might feel like you want to be ashamed of being a Christian. It just gives you a bit more 
grounding, I guess, in these things. Um, so what Paul has done here is really establish that although his message isn't popular and it never has been since and it probably never will be, his message isn't popular and it's not even wanted. I don't know many unsaved people that are like, yes, tell me more about Jesus Christ. It's not wanted. But what it is, is it's warranted. God has, has put his stamp on it and said, you are here for this reason and I'm doing a work in you. I have a job for you. It's warranted. God has put his stamp on it. So that should help us just go forth through the day and go, okay, I know why I'm here and I don't need to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because I'm standing in all of these things that, that are grounding me. So, and he, you know, we are warranted by God, not just our work, but who we are. We're warranted by God. We have a place in this world. We're not supposed to be like the world, but God is saying, you have a place here. You are born for such a time as this. So every single one of us, we're born for such a time as 2018. So we might feel a bit irrelevant in the society today, but remember that God's changed you, he's called you, he's separated you unto his work, and he's established it all in his word. That's the grounding that you need to, to, to face this pressure from outside. So he's, he's reminding himself of these things, that they're true, that they're real, that they have happened, and testifying that the world's popular opinion uh, doesn't mean truth. Just because lots of people agree doesn't mean that it's true. And uh, the world thinks Christianity is weak and ineffective. But look at verse 16. Look, look at what Paul says in verse 16 again. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the, what's the next word? Power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's harder to disassociate yourself from the gospel of Christ when you keep reminding yourself of the powerful work that he's already done in your life. If you keep saying, you know what, Jesus Christ has changed my life, he took me from here and, and set me here, and uh, he's called me unto his work, if you keep reminding yourself of that, it's harder for you to be ashamed when Christianity conversations come up. Because you're walking in it. You're reminding yourself of it. You're living it. You're breathing it. You're thinking about it. And it just gives you a little bit more um, boldness to approach those times that, that are hard, the pressures that come. So we've got to keep reminding ourselves, we've got to keep being thankful for what he's already done and walk in those things. I mean, you look at how Paul begins nearly every letter he wrote. He begins it very similar to what you see in Romans here. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Paul, a minister of Jesus Christ. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's establishing, you know what, I know who I am in Jesus Christ. And that helps me not be ashamed. That keeps me from being ashamed because I'm walking in these things and I'm reminding myself about these things. Imagine if we did that. Imagine if you answered the phone, Andrew, a servant of Jesus Christ, called unto the gospel of God. How can I help you? <laughs> we laugh, but it, it would be a bit weird. But we've got, to, we've, got to, we've got to find a way to remind ourselves of these things. As, and that gives us some strength to face what's hard in this life. So being unashamed, very important. And uh, I hope that's a blessing. I pray that's a blessing to us as a church. Uh, I know that just looking at this for me is, 
has really been a help because though I work here in the church and in the school and I don't have a lot of contact like many of you with um, unsaved or outside, you know, in the world people, um, I still need to do this. <laughs> I need to because I will get a student that is, is not saved and has a problem uh, with Christianity or a parent or, you know, someone that I meet at the shops or family members. We're all the same. We're going we're gonna to meet these people and we need to be able to not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, why don't we go ahead and pray and uh, we'll finish off with a song. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, thank you, Father, that you have set us apart unto your work and for your glory. And I pray that you would help each of us, myself included, Lord, to, to walk in these things, to remind ourselves of these things, to be thankful for what you've done. And I pray that this would be a help and a blessing to us as we uh, face the pressures uh, in the society around us and with the people around us, Lord God. Help us not to be arrogant, Lord, but to stand firm and to stand strong uh, in what you've called us to do, Lord. I pray you'd help us to love those around us and uh, to make a difference in the lives of the people that we meet, Lord God. Father, we thank you for these truths. Thank you for helping us tonight. Uh, Thank you, Father, for um, our pastor and for his leadership in this church. We do pray that you would keep him safe, Lord. We pray that you would prepare him for the messages that he'll be preaching. Uh, We pray, Father, for his strength. We pray, Lord, for his uh, ability to be relevant in the churches that he's preaching at, Lord God. We pray, Father, for Sister Cassie and the children back here as well. We just ask that you would have your hand of protection upon them, Lord God, while they're away. And uh, we just pray that you would help us as a church to get beside one another and uh, to remember to pray for one another, Lord. We thank you, Father, for this evening. We ask that you would bless the remainder of it. We ask these things in Jesus' name.